Here's the thing though. Hello, 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 and welcome to our podcast, Here's the Thing Though. I'm your host, Saliha, and I'm here with the wonderful Mitch Price. Hello. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge the Darug and Kurungai people who are the traditional owners of the land that we are recording on today. We'd like to pay our respects to all First Nations people, past, present, and future, and acknowledge that we are recording on stolen land, and that sovereignty was never ceded. How's the last week been for you, Mitch? What have you been up to? It's been pretty good. Uh, it's the beginning of spring, trying to get some gardening done, growing some herbs at the moment. I got an avocado seed, which is sprouting, which is very exciting. So maybe in five to ten years' time, outside my home, I'll have a big avocado tree. Look, he's been going this avocado seed for like months. Months of labor has gone into this little seed and it's finally sprouting. It's actually it's actually exciting. Like we're legitimately excited about this avocado baby. So <laughs> It's really inspiring. Yeah, it is my baby. It's my little child. I've birthed this thing, you know. <laughs> He's been looking after it for so long. It's so funny. What about you? How's your week been? Um busy, stressful. I've been doing a lot of work. However, I'm not going to talk about that because it's boring. So, instead, uh, I've finally been catching up on Umbrella Academy. I'm still yet to finish. I know it was like the new season was released like ages ago, but you know, it'd be like that sometimes. And I love it so much. I love it so much. I actually think it's really, really good. Um, and I think it's one of those things that people don't expect it to be that good. But then you watch it and you're just like, oh my God, this is like so subversive and interesting and amazing. And like the two like cis white male leads are the only two that have been put in like the subversive trope that women of colour normally put into. So one is animalised and one is infantilised. And it's just, I love it. Love the subversion. I love Jared Way. Love it all. It's really good. Happy. Cool. Um, Let's get into, I guess, the intro of what we're going to talk about today. Mm. A couple of weeks ago, I put up a story on Instagram about makeup. Specifically, it said um, that I'd been feeling pretty insecure lately walking around with like a bare no makeup face in public. And then I asked the question, can wearing makeup ever be liberating or empowering? Or is it always going to reinforce unattainable female beauty standards? Turns out this is actually a really, really, really contentious uh, question. It was very divisive. I had a lot of DMs in regards to that question um, with a lot of very, very different responses. And some, I will say, were actually quite defensive, which is good because I love that. It means we're actually arguing about something interesting. Um, The answers kind of range from like at first just being like, yes, makeup can be liberating and empowering. And like, that was it, just like a yes. Or some people said yes, because it's really fun. I really enjoy doing it. It makes me feel good. Um, or it was makeup is an art form. It's therapeutic. It's, you know, just as legitimate as any other hobby or like liberating practice, like painting or whatever. Um, some people said that they were reclaiming it from the male gaze. And that's why it was empowering, because they, they now do it for themselves and not for men. Therefore, it's like a liberating act. Others said they weren't sure that it could be liberating, that they acknowledge that they enjoy it and that's fun, but they also understand that the reason it exists in the first place or the reason they even practice this in the first place is inherently related to like the patriarchy and, misogynist- and misogyny. And some people were just saying how, uh, no, it can never be liberating because it's just inherently tied to capitalism and it's just the beauty industry selling us, you know insecurities to commodify our lives and bodies so there were quite there was quite a range of answers there and I think that it actually 
would make for a really interesting episode today. And there was a response that I wanted to talk about. A lovely follower, Michelle, sent this response that I thought was particularly thought-provoking. It's like, do I enjoy makeup for its own sake or because it makes me better fit into Western normative beauty ideals? I feel there's also extra pressure on marginalized bodies, be it fat, black, brown, disabled, trans or non-binary, to make up for their lack of fitting into other normative Western beauty standards by using makeup. I know that's a huge thing in the fat community at least. It's like, if you're fat, which isn't acceptable, you at least have to be pretty and always put together to make up for that and so people don't think you're the lazy slob stereotype. But makeup can also be used as such a great form of self-expression for individuals and marginalised communities that I don't think we should be done away with it altogether. I really liked this response because I liked that it acknowledged, I guess, the elements of makeup that make it, you know, I guess, fun or interesting or different, like the elements of self-expression there that perhaps lead us to think it's empowering without dismissing the fact that it is inherently pushing us into a certain beauty standard. And I particularly liked Michelle's point about the difference um, in bodies in regards to makeup and how makeup impacts people differently depending on how marginalised their body is. Um, And it really reminded me of an incident that happened to me in first year uni where I had just met a girl uh, in one of my minor kind of subjects and we were like walking to a class together and I didn't really know her too well, like I just met her. Um, And she commented on the fact that I was wearing a lot of makeup and like complimented my makeup. I used to wear a lot of makeup in first year uni. I think I was just pretty insecure, but you know. Um, And she said, oh, like, isn't that like a Muslim girl thing? Like, isn't that like a hijabi girl thing because you guys like need to make up for the fact that you're covered up? (laughs) And... That's me paraphrasing, but the way she said it was, like, actually really offensive. Like, she essentially implied that hijabi girls are really insecure in how unattractive we are because we cover our bodies and therefore we must make up for that by wearing makeup, which I think is very relevant to Michelle's point and I think then pushes the question of, like, why do I wear makeup? Because I was really, really offended by her question. I was instantly just like, um, no, that's definitely not why I wear makeup. Like, I'm insecure about a lot of things, but being hijabi is not one of them. (laughs) Um... But yeah, it pushes us into the question of like, why do people wear makeup? Why do marginalized people wear makeup? Why is makeup an important part of our lives? And like, why do we project these ideas of, I guess, people's insecurities when it comes to makeup? So let's get into it. Cool. So I think an interesting place to start in this discussion of personal liberation and empowerment through embracing or reclaiming certain cultural practices is at the politics of happiness. Sarah Ahmed is a British-Australian POC academic who writes extensively in areas of feminist theory, queer theory, and post-colonialism, just to name a few. And she has a really great book on the politics of happiness called The Promise of Happiness. Ultimately, her book is trying to critique our ideas of happiness and where they come from. Why certain ways of living or certain patterns of consumption are associated with being happy. So I think the framework Ahmed offers is really useful in beginning to talk about the makeup and the relationship between happiness, or at least positive feelings. I think the current ideology surrounding cosmetics is reinforcing a sort of inherent relationship between beauty and personal pleasure, associating happiness to beauty and beauty to makeup. Ahmed is talking about how difficult it is to define happiness and how instead we begin to define happiness not through a singular feeling or meaning, but through demonstration. Happiness is defined through associations. Happiness is associated with marriage. Happiness is heteronormative. Happiness is white and beautiful. 
And thus, we begin to embody these practices and ideals as society tells us that this is the promise to happiness. This is the pathway to happiness. Uh, and I think this is maybe where a lot of the, the women who commented are sort of coming from. Uh, so I guess this leads me to asking you, Sliha, uh, what's your relationship with makeup, happiness and confidence? And then from that relationship with capitalism. I don't think makeup makes us happy. So I'm going to, I guess, immediately disagree mm. with some of the responses I got with, oh, I like makeup because it makes me happy. I don't think it's makeup that makes you happy. I think you can find some happiness or, or comfortable kind of feeling with makeup. But I think the reason that you feel happy in relation to makeup is not because of the makeup itself, but because of the way society treats you when you wear makeup. I think it's actually a conditioned response to feel happy when you wear makeup because what it actually is, is when you wear makeup, you, I guess, are subscribing to certain beauty ideals that make you more palatable to society as a whole. You are more likable when you wear makeup. It's the truth for everybody. And it's the truth for myself too. I actually like did this little experiment in my retail job where I didn't wear makeup for a while and then did wear makeup for a while. And I was definitely treated a lot nicer on the days that I wore makeup versus didn't wear makeup. Customers were nicer to me. I work in an area that's kind of notorious for really bad customers. So I'm very used to being abused on the desk. Um, and it's crazy how much of a difference wearing makeup actually like has on the way people treat you it humanizes you a lot more like people were so much kinder to me maybe it's because the style of makeup I wear infantilizes my face a little bit like I look a little bit more feminist I look a little bit more feminine (laughs) it's the word I'm looking for um when I wear makeup and so I want to talk about like society's treatment of us when we wear makeup because I actually think that's far more relevant than just like a very basic comment of makeup making us happy because the question is why if you are the kind of person who thinks you wear makeup because it makes you happy, like, please ask yourself why it makes you happy. What is it about makeup that makes you happy? How have you discerned that makeup makes you happy? Because I think it's all inherently instrumental conditioning, okay? Which sounds a bit like, what the fuck is instrumental conditioning? But let me explain myself. <laughs> Give me a moment. Basically, um, instrumental conditioning is when you perform a behavior And then that behavior is positively reinforced through a reward, typically. It doesn't have to be a reward. It doesn't have to be enforced. But like in this scenario, you perform a behavior, a good consequence comes out of it, which rewards your behavior and therefore reinforces it. And therefore you do that behavior more, right? Because you know you're going to get good things out of it. I think that's what what it is with makeup. Like you wear makeup, you go out into society, people compliment you. They tell you you look nice. People are nicer to you. You're more, you're more likely to get hired for a job. You're more likely to be taken seriously in a professional role. You are seen as more attractive to the people that you are attracted to, I, especially if you are a heterosexual woman because there's a lot we can talk about with makeup and the male gaze. Um, but this pressure to look beautiful all the time um, means that when we do look beautiful all the time, we are rewarded. It's how we maintain this this loop. This It's a positive feedback loop, essentially, right? And we like being treated nicely. We like not being treated like shit, as everybody does. And so we wear makeup because it ensures us uh, a little bit of better treatment, I guess, from the rest of the world. And so I find that really interesting and really relevant in this discussion about makeup making us feel good and therefore empowering us. Because I think empowering is a really interesting word here. 
empowering implies that you feel, I guess, more capable, more powerful, more able to deal with the world. Would you agree that that's how you define like empowering? Yeah, I think empowering has a lot to do with restriction and freedom. And I think when it comes to feminism or talking about women, it's that is gender as restriction, gender as, you know, loss of capability. So in a way, it would almost make sense that people would find makeup empowering because it sort of uh, opens greater potential, more possibilities, uh, more pathways, more doors open up. So in a way, it is empowering, but for who and to what means, right? Um, yes, exactly. And so when we talk about makeup being empowering, I'm like... Hmm, this is where I start to question it a little bit because I think that makeup gives us more opportunities in this world and that's why we that's why it feels good because we like feeling like we have more opportunities in the world. But I think inherently empowering is perhaps being misconstrued or misidentified here. Like the 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 feeling of being empowered is perhaps being misidentified because is it really empowering if you're still under the confines of a certain beauty standard? Is it really empowering? Are you really freeing yourself of anything here you might be freeing yourself of a certain low treatment from society for sure and that's a conversation that we can have but also you're restricting yourself to that society's means of treating people in the first place right like you're restricting yourself I guess to society's values on bodies and particularly in this conversation we're talking about women's bodies right Uh, we're talking particularly about the way women navigate makeup in society and like I don't know if empowering is the right word here because by, I guess, wearing makeup or taking part in the cosmetic industry, we are inherently reinforcing our ties with, like, capitalism and how capitalism just, you know, is commodifying us in order to sell us makeup and body enhancements in the first place. Is it just that we don't want to admit our role <laughs> in, like, toxic beauty standards? Like, that's what I wonder, because I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it when people think that makeup is, like, this happy, wonderful thing. I agree that it's a form of expression when it comes to art, like as an art form. I totally agree with that. And I can agree that we have fun when we do makeup. I enjoy doing makeup as an art form myself, but I wouldn't say that because it's fun, it's empowering. I don't think that's the same thing necessarily. So is the act of makeup or like putting makeup on genuinely pleasurable or is it just like this idea that's sold to us to make sure that we partake in this capitalist machine? I um I really like your wording there of genuinely pleasurable because it sort of suggests that there is a distinction between genuine pleasure and that there is disingenuous pleasure. And I think this really ties into maybe what uh, the next part of this episode is going to be about is that is it really possible uh, to discern between genuine and disingenuous pleasure? And actually, a lot of the reasons we do the things we do is often invisible. Uh, it takes a lot of critical thinking to even begin to see through maybe the reasons we're conditioned in certain ways, the reasons certain cultural practices stick, uh, the reason beauty manifests in certain restrictive, controlling ways. Another reason I think that just, you know, I guess makeup or beautifying ourselves is never really going to be empowering for women is because the beauty industry is actually like owned predominantly by men the beauty industry rakes in billions of dollars it is worth billions of dollars and it those billions of dollars are made on upon the exploitation of women predominantly by men mostly <laughs> i keep doing these motions because like obviously i know it's like not every single one of them are men or not every single person who makeup is a woman and i totally understand but 
in this particular discussion, we're going to talk about the way that men exploit women in the beauty industry. Because your beauty or journey to beauty, I should say, is a highly, highly valued commodity. Okay, like women, especially young women, are the perfect audience in advertising. You learn this in uni, like we are the most valuable demographic for pretty much everything because we're the most likely to buy stuff to make ourselves feel good. We're the easiest to sell items to. We also come with probably the most insecurities, which sucks, but it's true. Um, and so us as a whole, we are very valuable in a lot of ways when, when it comes to markets and it comes to like beauty industries and commodities. Um, there's a podcast that actually discusses a little bit of this quite briefly that I just want to mention because I think if anybody's interested, uh, it's worth listening to. Uh, it's by New Books in Sociology. Um, so it's basically an interview with this author, Ashley Mears, about her book, Very Important People, Status and Beauty in the Global Party Circuit. Um, just a brief part that I think is relevant here is its conversation on body as capital and particularly women's body as capital and girls, uh, like I guess young women's body as capital, which they refer to as girl capital. Um, definitely listen to that if you're interested because I think it's really cool. And I'm just going to thank Gabriella, the uh, listener who recommended it to me. Anyway, that was a little sidebar, but I think it's really relevant and I wanted to bring it up uh, because it's true. Um, women's bodies have immense economic value. There's an article that Mitch was reading the other day that he linked to me a journal article about this in particular. And they essentially talk about how we invest in our body like it's private property. You know, and when I say invest, I mean we do skincare regimes, we wear makeup, we uh, pay for body enhancements. There are a lot of ways that we invest both time and money uh, into our bodies because we understand the economic value of our bodies uh, subconsciously, even if we aren't super aware of it. Um, we understand the economic value of our bodies as women uh, we understand the opportunities that we can receive and the way society can increase our value based on how quote unquote beautiful we are. As we talked earlier with like the way society has conditioned us to, I guess, succumb to these beauty ideals for the sake of the opportunities they afford us. So we, under- we understand that in terms of economic value. I think you're getting onto a really good point about the connection between beauty and the self and capitalism. I know in the future we want to do an episode exclusively on capitalism, just the basics. But when we're talking about the role of the body as private property, we're really talking about the trend of sort of neoliberalism. And what that is centered on is this idea that within the market ourselves, we have the potential for upwards mobility, that this is a meritocracy, that if we invest in ourselves as something that's productive, that our body is the site of production or the site of, uh, of value, then by working on that, we can increase the opportunities uh, within the economy, uh, that the body is private property, the body is something you invest in. Uh, and anyone who is sort of philosophically minded may know Michel Foucault talks about homo economicus, which is the sort of... Uh, humans as their own entrepreneur and this idea has come a lot come up a lot in beauty studies recently this idea of aesthetic entrepreneurship this idea that we are all entrepreneurs of our own body and this sort of ties into neoliberalism's dream of a of an equal meritocracy uh a friend of mine inez has a podcast called similar differences where they actually discuss the myth of the meritocracy Autocracy, uh, which I think if anybody's really interested in that, they should go and listen to her. This is a plug for my lovely Inez. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore her. 
Anyway, <laughs> no, I think this is really interesting because also we've been talking about selling yourself, right? Like if we're going to talk about us as being entrepreneurs of our own body and trying to find some upwards mobility in society, then we have to sell ourselves. And I don't mean sell our body in the sense of like literally sell our body, but I mean it make us appealing the way you sell yourself in an interview, okay? And that is also relevant to makeup. Like part of the reason we wear makeup is because we're selling an idea of ourselves. We're selling a perception of ourselves. Uh, like Michelle mentioned, she wears makeup to be seen as put together right I actually had another listener message me saying that she wears makeup uh, at work because she feels like she's unprofessional when she doesn't and that people have commented on how unwell she looks or how she doesn't look very like organized or put together on the days that she doesn't wear makeup so there's very much an idea of like what we're supposed to be and we achieve that through makeup you know especially like with like girl boss culture (laughs) (laughs) uh Anybody who follows me on Instagram probably knows that I have like a very strong uh, disdain for girl boss culture because also this is such a tangent. I actually wasn't going to talk about this right now, but I'm going to. It's so relevant, I feel though. Yeah. It all ties in. It all ties in. What can I say? So girl boss culture, for those who are maybe slightly unfamiliar with the term, it's just this like real, I think it's disingenuous. I'm going to say disingenuous. I think it's a real disingenuous way that capitalism has actually somehow commodified the idea of liberating ourselves from capitalism, which makes no fucking sense, right? But it's this liberal feminist idea of girl boss. So women in uh, high places, uh, like being bosses and CEOs of companies, um, and how that is like liberating and empowering for women, you know, to like find this upwards mobility uh, when it comes to workplaces in particular. So it's all about women in business, um, women CEOs. And as you guys may know already from my first episode, I really hate this ideology because it just implies, like it's just it's just liberal feminism, right? It's just this idea that like liberation is like becoming a boss as if like me having the power to exploit other people is supposedly liberating. Um, recently uh, in one of the old podcast groups that I was in, somebody shared an article of... Uh, an Indian woman who had just become a CEO. Uh, one of the, I think she was like one of the richest female CEOs in the world or something. And everybody was fussing over in the comments being like, oh my God, girl boss. Oh my God, love this feminism. And I was just like, no, because inherently under capitalism to become that rich, you have to be exploiting somebody else. So I don't give a shit about that kind of feminism because it throws other women under the bus. You know, it's just like girl boss culture is the same culture that uh, really elevates Kylie Jenner for being, you know, supposedly the youngest billionaire in the world. I think that was actually recently exposed as not being true, but that's irrelevant to the point. The well, p- self-made billionaire. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't self-made in any context. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's the point with any of these um, ideas around girl boss, the idea that a woman can build herself up from nothing and become this like really rich boss because... To become that rich, to become that boss, you inherently have to exploit other people. And guess what? Some of the people you're exploiting are going to be other women. I think a good critique against sort of liberal feminism is uh, acknowledging that a woman CEO is still going to uh, benefit from, you know, the wage gap. You know, they're they're going to benefit from being able to pay women less. So just because a woman is in this sort of representative uh, symbol of control doesn't mean that they're actually liberating or encouraging sort of uh, emancipatory structures. Yeah, it's like um, when everybody was talking about a woman potentially ruling North Korea. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know if a woman dictator is going to be much better than like 
a male dictator if we don't want dictators you know like instead of giving us a woman dictator how about we just abolish dictators like this is the idea that i'm talking about of like instead of actually acknowledging that this you know, this system is kind of corrupt and shitty and it's inherently going to be harmful to women, especially poor women or women of colour. We're just like, here, let's give you a woman to oppress other women. Now it's fine, right? (laughs) No, of course not. But the reason I'm bringing up girlboss culture when it comes to makeup is because girlboss culture and makeup are actually really inherently tied because of the idea of professionalism. Uh, Girlboss culture is really invested in the idea of the professional woman, and a lot of fashion companies and makeup companies have really jumped on that and capitalized off that. You know, so many companies will sell you this professional sleek look. There are companies that like will sell, like for example, with like Lip Timber, which is currently now in September. Um, they're like, oh, buy our lipsticks for Lip Timber, <laughs> you know, completely ignoring any reason for why Lip Timber exists as a, you know, like a movement and just co-opting it for money. Um, and that's very much girl boss culture, like feeling like a girl boss, I don't think is at all relevant to feminism because feeling like you have the potential to rule over others is perhaps not it. It's not it. This is not what we want out of this conversation. So basically, girlboss culture just reinforces all these ideas around capitalism and feminism and liberal feminism and white feminism, uh, which are all inherent to each other's structure, right? Because girlboss culture is just being able to elevate some women, but not all women, particularly privileged women, uh, and call that like feminism and like now we're done for the day we've we've succeeded in liberating some women um girl boss is a symbol of apparent progress but it actually really doesn't emancipate anybody and so i mean look i know i've said all this stuff about girl boss culture i don't mean to hate on anybody who responded to me mentioning girl boss culture because there were a couple of you i definitely don't mean to talk shit about (laughs) how you feel about the world and yourself you know you see this girl boss culture and it makes you feel good and it it tricks you into thinking that makeup is empowering you because girlboss culture is a way that companies sell you makeup. Um, And then you feel good, you feel empowered, and then you wear makeup again. And those are the reasons that you think makeup makes you happy. And I totally understand that. Um, It is this positive feedback loop where we just want to, I guess, be treated well and fit in. And at at the end of the day, these are ways that liberation and empowerment are sold to us. And... I totally see how people bite into that. I totally see how people believe that. I just don't. Because for me, I mean, I somewhat do. And since I don't believe in girl boss power, but the positive feedback loop is very true for myself. Why do I wear makeup? Because I like the way I get treated when I wear makeup. I like how people treat me and compliment me and are nicer to me and humanize me more when I wear makeup. And this is especially true being a woman of color in Australia. Uh, People dehumanize you all the fucking time, but people are a little bit nicer to you when you wear makeup. I am seen as a little bit more fitting into the Western beauty ideal. And that works for me. Something else I wanted to just briefly touch upon, because honestly, this topic is really bottom. <laughs> We're talking about so many things in such a small amount of time. But a few people mentioned that they think makeup can be empowering for them because they're taking it back. They are taking it away from the male gaze and doing it for themselves. I don't think that's true. And I don't think that's possible in some ways not in all ways I think for heterosexual women it's really hard to uh actually remove yourself from the male gaze there are uh, there are quite a bit of um academic literature kind of things that discuss the male gaze and particularly the way women exist in it um there's a quote from an article that we read where it says the men gaze the women and the women observe themselves being gazed thus a female becomes transposed herself into an object especially into a visual object something to be gazed at 
which sounds a little bit complicated, but basically what it's saying is that we actually perceive ourselves in the lens of others. We look at ourselves the way we think men or society are looking at us. And then this out-of-body kind of way of looking at ourselves allows us to anticipate how society responds to us. And that way we will behave or look in the way that we think will get us the best response from society, which again, goes back into my whole thing about, you know, instrumental conditioning and the feedback loop. It's like, you can't remove yourself from another person's gaze. Like you might think you're doing it for yourself, but at the end of the day, you are doing it because you have been conditioned to from somebody else's gaze. It's an act of self-surveillance. No, I think that's true. Like, yeah, exactly. I think it's just inherent self-awareness of our place in society as women particularly have, especially when uh, we're very good at anticipating the way the world responds to us, especially because we're so likely to be assaulted and murdered, which mm. is, you know, a sad truth. I think women are very hyper aware of the way people, especially men, perceive us and we anticipate responses all the time for our own safety. But that also filters into the way we wear makeup and the way we behave in general from things that are outside of, you know, conversations around safety. I think women inherently have to, as a survival mechanism, be very conscious of the way we are I guess, being perceived by the world and the ideas that we are pushing out about ourselves. I think we're very, very conscious of that for many reasons. And that's why I don't think we can fully exist outside of the male gaze like that when society is the male gaze and we have to understand the male gaze in order to exist safely in society. So I have a question for you. Last week, we talked about token diversity. And this week, we're talking about maybe the myth of emancipation through makeup. Is liberation possible, I guess, is the topic of today. And one thing that's sort of interesting in the past few years is the emergence of the the Fenty line from Rihanna. Because previously, uh, makeup, the cosmetic industry has been entirely white-centric. People of color often struggle to find, you know, uh, makeup that matches their skin tone. And it was actually a bit of a, of a revolution to see uh, all these new colors, all these new tones being offered to a more diverse uh, consumer base. So I guess my question to you is, do you think that this is something really wonderful and it's sort of expanded recognition that a lot of white people didn't even realize was an issue? Or is it just expanding uh, the possibility for subjugation for non-white people? Hmm. <laughs> Big question. Um, I think it's a bit of both. I do think it's really good that we have makeup colors for everybody because in a world where this is an expectation for women to look a certain standard, to then deny certain women uh, the, the resources that get us to that standard essentially fucks us over anyway. So I don't think it... Uh, I don't think it subjugates us more than we are already subjugated. If anything, it makes it slightly easier for us to get by in society because it makes it easier for us to see ourselves around in places. And I guess it's similar to what I said last week with token diversity in that there are obviously benefits to representation. It makes us hate ourselves less. (laughs) Love that. Uh, I am somebody who definitely didn't have foundation uh, shades of my own skin tone out until quite recently. I actually grew up not wearing foundation for that reason. Like I actually just never wore foundation, not because I didn't want to, but because I did not have access to a foundation that was in my skin tone. And something that's really relevant here is even the class difference because uh, there are so many brands now that have expanded their foundation range or concealer range or whatever to fit dark skin, but they're actually also really expensive. Um, You know, if you go to your local price line, you can generally get a shade for any white person, but finding a dark person's skin tone in the local price line is really difficult because we're actually not represented in, I guess, mainstream kind of like, 
everyday makeup areas. Like, you can only find us in fucking niche, expensive brands in, like, Sephora and Mecca. Um, You have to go to a makeup-specific store to get makeup for dark skin, whereas you can kind of get white people makeup anywhere. Um, So I do think that's an interesting question because I don't discount uh, the diversifying of makeup. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's a good thing within the capitalist confines of society. Like, I think the fact that we all exist in this world and some of us are getting treated better for wearing makeup, but then some of us don't have access to it and so inherently are treated worse, it's not fair. And I think allowing some of us to have those resources and to be able to play with that makes it fun for us. It makes life a little bit more enjoyable. Um, I think it ties into the fact that, like, I don't hate people for wearing makeup and I wear makeup myself despite understanding this, like, male-centric kind of capitalist society and why I wear makeup. Because at the end of the day, we're just trying to get by. <laughs> Aren't we? Are we just trying to get by in this shitty capitalist society? Um, I think Rihanna did a great thing with her foundation shades because now I get to wear makeup and enjoy it just as much as white girls. Um, and also, it's really seen the rise of non-white beauty, which I think is actually pretty good in a lot of ways. I mean, it like I, I don't think anything is inherently really liberating under capitalism, but it's as good as it can get, I think, within the confines of this situation. Because ever since black beauty or brown beauty was normalized after these foundations have come out, I feel a lot more comfortable in my own skin. Because now I see girls with my skin tone on billboards. Now I see girls with my skin tone in ads and all over Instagram uh, doing all these like posts about makeup. Um, I think like the ethnic woman makeup kind of circle on social media has really expanded and exploded in the last couple of years and it normalizes us a bit more. I feel like it may it actually challenges beauty standards a little bit. It subverts them a little bit, expands them a little bit. And I think the expansion of beauty standards is helpful for POC. It may not be emancipatory but it's helpful. And that's enough for me, to be honest. Like, I'm pretty happy with that. Cool. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's a win within the scope of capitalism. So that, I feel, was a very windy, complicated episode that may have been a little bit confusing for some newcomers to this discussion. So I'm just going to give you guys a quick summary of why we don't think makeup can really be empowering or liberating under the current scope of society, especially with capitalism and, like, commodifying of bodies. Basically, I think that the cosmetic industry and beauty regimes are obviously a product of capitalism and actively benefit from it. And they manufacture insecurities and ever-shifting beauty standards to be able to sell you stuff as consumers. They only exist to sell you stuff and your idea of empowerment and beauty stuff essentially just leads you to buying more and more products. So it's kind of irrelevant in some ways what you think of it because at the end of the day, this industry is selling you things and you're buying them and that's why it exists. It also commodifies your body. It also inherently means that you're selling an idea about yourself and that you don't really have any control over how much society really, I guess, holds a monopoly over your interests and over your self-worth and over your ideas of beauty. Um, It reinforces, like, makeup as a whole reinforces girlboss culture and liberal feminism, this idea that, you know, the way to, I guess, liberation is to give in to these capitalist desires, to become a girlboss, to, like, focus on your upward mobility in society and eventually become, like, a boss that exploits other people. You know, this inherent idea of just, like, conforming to capitalism rather than to fighting it. Um, and honestly, this industry is just owned and profited by men. <laughs> Inherently, how, you know, liberating is it to be constantly putting your dollars in to a company that is rewarding men for selling you insecurities? In regards to if makeup makes you happy, 
Um, while I agree that it is an art form, I don't think it makes you happy. I think it's a feedback loop. Uh, it's instrumental conditioning um, where basically society rewards you for wearing makeup. People treat you better. People humanize you more. And that makes you feel good. People compliment you. And those feelings of like being valued in society are why you wear makeup. It's not like makeup itself makes you happy. It's the process of how society treats you after you put makeup on that does. Um, you know, a really basic and relevant note here is just like pretty privilege, which we all know exists. So I think that ties in really nicely with that. We know that beautiful women are treated better. We want to be beautiful. And lastly, for marginalized bodies, I still don't think it's really that empowering to wear makeup because it means that we actually have to assimilate. For marginalized bodies, we wear makeup in order to be treated better in a society that otherizes us. So we inherently are wearing makeup to assimilate and abandon our natural selves. So I don't think that's really empowering. Um, I know that's a pretty divisive thing to say. I know that this podcast is going to be pretty controversial and that people are going to have a lot of thoughts, feelings, emotions on it. Um, if you have something to say, email us at here's a thing though podcast at gmail.com because we'll be reading your responses and we're happy to actually discuss this a little bit further maybe perhaps in the intro of our next podcast episode um hit us up on socials hit me up at sleeve official on instagram uh we can talk about it a little bit more let's discuss this yeah i think some of our perspectives were maybe a little bit spicy maybe new for some listeners and i'm really keen to see what you guys have to think about it also, before we conclude this episode, I just want to let you guys know we won't be having an episode released next week because it's my birthday. <laughs> so Mitch and I are going to be going away with a bunch of friends next week. Uh, but the next episode will be released the week after that. So don't worry, it won't be too long before you get your next fix. Sweet. Well, thanks for listening. I think this is a really great time to talk about our sponsors for the podcast, which is you, uh, our listeners. Uh, we're still pretty new to this and we're not really sure about proceeding with any sort of monetization yet. So ideally, we'd like to avoid being slaves to the capitalist machine. So if you thought our discussion today was interesting, thought-provoking and something you learned from, please consider donating to our PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash to support future episodes. The PayPal link is in my Instagram bio, so check it out over there at Official, and give me a follow if you liked today's episode. Also, if you have any comments or suggestions or want to add to the discussion, you can email us at here'sathinglowpodcast at gmail.com and please include your name, pronouns and any other important info. And of course, remember to follow and subscribe. It really helps our podcast get out there. Cool. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Bye.